in the book of Acts. And I know in this place this morning, I just, I get hard to sleep again. It's like every time I come here, I'm waiting for miracles to happen, for healing. I've seen like, I've had dreams several times of somebody being wheeled in here in a wheelchair and walking out. But the thing is, our expectation and our hunger needs to come at a merging point with the move of His Holy Spirit. So we are singing that He would rush in like a mighty wind. And the thing about Pentecost is they were expecting it. They were waiting for the promise. And God, in this place, in Kinsman, Ohio, we are expecting a move of Your Holy Spirit. And we say that you are welcome, that you have all authority, God.
talking about just heaven and when we said fire in the sky um, scripture says that in this revelation of what heaven is like that there's this wheel of fire uh, that there's a sea of glass and then he was thinking about Jesus and uh, the fire in his eyes that's described um, and when I heard that I just felt like that's I heard the word purification and I know we talked about this a lot um, two weeks ago that the, the more excited and the more we read about Jesus coming back the more we make ourselves ready for his appearing remember we talked about that and we uh, read a lot of scripture last week about Jesus coming back and the purification that takes place in that as he's preparing a bride 
and that is you. How many of you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Come on, and you're excited about that day. Yeah? All right. What I just felt like, though, I just felt like it's almost like I just heard the Holy Spirit say those, the, those loving eyes of, of kindness uh, is purifying you. And, and I, it's almost like 12-step um, programs are great. Nine-step programs are great. Why We believe in them. In fact, we support them financially. I know many people have come out of the programs. But I felt like the Lord said, just let my love purify you this morning and break the addiction. Because his love, guys, his love, you just close your eyes for a minute. I'm telling you, it, it's not just a thought or an opinion. I've talked to so many people who've been set free from an addiction, from... Uh, and you might not call it an addiction, but if it's a sin habit you can't get over, it's an addiction. And I just hear that in my spirit that some of you are thinking, I can't fix this. And, and you felt, um, I guess, weak in your ability to overcome something this week. I want to tell you, it's not a 12-step program. You don't need another book. What you need is a revelation of Jesus. So I just want you right now to either close your eyes or lift up your face to heaven. The band's just going to play for a minute. And I want you to just focus your eyes on who Jesus is. Imagine Jesus. Let the Holy Spirit anoint your imagination. You see, your imagination was given to you by God. We're talking about that today. We're talking about your mind and your imagination. And Satan wants you to think about other things. Let me tell you something. Fix your mind right now on the beauty and the holiness of Jesus. Come on, right now, fix your mind's eye, your imagination on Jesus. Can you see it? Can you see his eyes of fire? Can you see that love that burns for you? Jesus, we fix our eyes. You are holy. You are worthy. You're full of kindness and purity. Burn out all the dross in our lives. Let nothing but the, the gold remain, the things that are actually valuable, the things that you care about. Come on, let them look. Let them look right at you. If you could just look up here for one second. I don't know if, if you all were here about a month ago. Um, and it was near the end of the sermon. It was this like impromptu thing where I was saying, you know, I've done a lot of weddings. And uh, even my own wedding, this was the case with me. Do you know what the bride, a groom, you know what the groom is doing when the bride's making her way? He's not checking his email. Okay. He's not. He's not going on Instagram and Facebook, okay? He is like this. I mean, know what I'm talking about. Usually some tears, sometimes they faint, right? Um, totally focused like this. Just focused, staring at his beloved. That's what Jesus is like. And, I, I want, and guess what the bride does? The bride doesn't walk down the aisle and go, Thank you for coming, Jimmy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Angie, thank you for it. No, what does she do? She starts to cry, right? Why? 
She's thinking, this is the day. This is the man I love. Come on, close your eyes and picture that right now. And we're going to continue to worship. And as we worship, I want you to picture you are the bride of Christ. And he's coming back for you.
Aaron or David. <laughs> and I know we have a David here. I believe you have a deep, deep heart of worship, but it translates different than music. You have a deep heart of worship and you're, there's things, your mind works different than a musician's though. In the same way as me or Pastor Jordan or others that play music and love to worship lead, it's like when we play that song is when we feel like, man, I am doing the work of the Lord and there's like this, just this, this presence and this, this fulfillment that happens. And with you, it looks a different way than music, but you're super meticulous and you love love to do things for the Lord and you have I just want to speak this over you that you have a Davidic call over how you do your ministry and God we just speak the favor of Jesus over this brother that that unique special anointing over what everybody else would just say that looks like work and it looks like numbers and it looks like just just stuff to do and for him Father, for this man, it is a joy, and it comes naturally, and he does it for your glory. We speak the favor of Jesus and the anointing of Jesus over his life, God. Nothing is better than you, God. Turn morning. Just 
power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. is sometimes I'll, I'll email them my uh, sermon series schedule, but I don't, I don't know if you fully understood what I was talking about today, but today we're talking about the, the, the very idea of Jesus removing all guilt, all shame, no lies of condemnation in your mind stopping you. And I just, can you put up that last slide that says no guilt in life? Man, I wish every Christian could fully understand this. No, actually, let's do this. Let's say it. Sometimes I do this with songwriters on Fridays to make sure what we're writing actually makes sense. Because sometimes you get singing and not. Let's say it out loud like a sentence, all right? Here we go. No guilt in life. No fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. Come on, how many believe that? And by the way, Aren't you glad that you don't command your destiny? How many of it was up to you and you leading your life and be a dumpster fire? Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? Right? Like when we try to take control and we say, God, I don't need you, that's when things become a mess. And yet when we just surrender to God and we say, God, you're in charge. You're in charge, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Can I just pray a real quick, uh, just share something? Uh, with the with the guy uh, right behind Matt Smeagol. If everybody could just close your eyes for a minute. Yeah, the black sweater, just itching your nose. Yeah, yeah, you. <laughs> um, I wish I could see you from here, but these lights are so stinking bright, so forgive me. I, I don't know if you're a guest or what, but I just want to pray over you. I feel like you're really smart, and uh, God has really given you a brilliant mind. In fact, it's funny we're talking about the mind of Christ today, and we're, we're talking about more about defeating lies of the enemy, but I want to talk about your, uh, the way you think. Um, it's brilliant. And I feel like the Lord says, because of the way that you think differently, not everybody's understood you. And there's been times when you've been misunderstood, even at work, in different places. I, I hear the phrase at work a lot. There's been, there's been, right? Yeah. A lot of work times when Teams, departments, teams of four and five that you were sitting at a table with didn't understand you. And you're like, no, this really is the best. And I just want to encourage you today. And I, if, if God, if, if, if all of God's saying it to you is right now is, hey, I've given you that great way of thinking. And I've given you that creative mind to solve problems in different ways. And so, Father, I just thank you for him. Just stretch your hands towards my brother, if you don't mind. God, thank you for... Um, his mind, thank you for uh, just the way it thinks differently. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray for a new community. I was learning about Vincent Van Gogh last week, and here we celebrate him now as a genius in the art world, but do you know he was so rejected by the religious community? His own dad was actually a pastor 
and uh, he was just very different. And he was rejected by the religious community and then the art community to such an extent that um, it drove him to some dark places. But then he, he bought this place called the Yellow House and tried to form an, a community for artists. And I want to tell you, I hear the word community now. And you've been longing for community. And God is, has heard that prayer. God has heard that prayer. I want to tell you, God is bringing you some friends. God is bringing you some people who will understand you and value you and support you. And I mean, high five you, hug you. Uh, it's going to be awesome. So God, thank you for the prayers of his heart. Thank you that he's like a Vincent Van Gogh, that later he will be celebrated. And I want to tell you, even though you're not always celebrated right now in your current place of employment or your last place of employment, there will be times when people say, wow, hey, what were you saying again? And it's going to be awesome. So God, thank you for the blessing coming his way, primarily in the, in the field of uh, friendships and community. We bless him in Jesus' name. Can I add to that, Jordan? Yes. Yeah. Jordan? Yeah. So I want to add to that because I kept hearing the word relief. And um, as soon as Jordan talked about community, I felt like the Lord said, relief is on the way, that you felt all alone, and you need people to lift up your arms, and that he is bringing relief to your life, and that you will feel much more peace as others come alongside you. Awesome. I love how God encourages us right when we need it. It's happened to me so many times. God sends somebody, and it just has a way. Um, hey, why don't you do this? Uh, why don't you say a big hi to somebody? If they've got a green bracelet, maybe give them a high five. If they don't, give them a wave and uh, make your way to your seat. Three, two, one. At the count of three, when children open the shoe boxes, they're so excited. Those faces just transform. Yeah, these kids behind me are so excited because they've just received their boxes. The mouth is wide open, the voice is raised, smiles are all over. That box brings joy. We're right now in Phnom Penh in Cambodia. I mean, it's just been incredible. Kids are so excited, giving them a gift, do it in Jesus' name, and that's what this is all about. Jesus loves you. It's a gospel opportunity. It's the chance for the children to change the entire life. That's what I love about Operation Christmas Child. It knows no borders, it knows no boundaries. It's all about sharing the name of Jesus Christ. Churches are doing big things with Operation Christmas Child. Everybody out there who packs shoe boxes, they are spreading God's love. It's families, it's churches, it's hundreds of thousands of volunteers that help make Operation Christmas Child so successful. We couldn't do it without them. With this box, they do get the gospel story. They do hear about Jesus. It has maximum impact in the worldwide kingdom of Christ. I mean, what better thing could you do than be involved in fill shoe boxes? Some of them go by train, some go by camels, some go by ships. These boxes go all over the world, and that is only the beginning. After receiving the shoe boxes, the children will be invited to go to the greatest journey, which is a 12-lesson discipleship program where they learn about the greatest gift, which is 
Jesus Christ. After a child completes the greatest journey, they graduate and receive a Bible in their own language. When the light of the gospel is turned on, that changes everything. Churches are being planted, lives are being changed, communities are being transformed. The word of God is spreading. The gospel is advancing. It is impacting children. It is impacting families. It is impacting the world greatly. Thank you for praying. Thank you for giving. I would like to ask you to consider packing shoeboxes year-round. God will bless, and God will use your gift to touch the life of a child and to be able to do it in Jesus' name. So thank you. Thank you for being a part of it. God bless each and every one of you. It is that time of year. Shall we sing Christmas carols together? No, not yet, because <laughs> it's October, but I can't believe Operation Christmas Child is already here. And this is one of our all-time favorite mission projects that we have. And you'll see as you go out the door back here, uh, there's a table that has a bunch of flat boxes on it. And there's some pre-folded ones out in the lobby that you guys can grab as well. Um, we do have on the in the lobby all sorts of information that you guys can take. Um, and on the table back here, um, in the back with the unfolded boxes, you'll see these packets. And these packets are some fun things that you can uh, fill out and include in your box this year. And um, some other things that you can work through with your family on the importance of giving Jesus to kids on the other side of this planet. So um, I don't know how many years we've done this now, but it is such a blessing to hear and see videos like this where kids are getting these Christmas presents. And for one, they may not have any earthly possessions, but they get this box. And this box has been put together by you guys. It's been prayed over by you, prayed over by us, prayed over by the place that we drop it off at, played over, <laughs> played over at the warehouse, and it gets to the kid that needs it the most. It's amazing how God lines things up. So grab your boxes on the way out. They are due November 8th, so you can get, turn them in anytime before then in the lobby. And um, $9, please include that for shipping to get it all the way over there. It goes by airplane, camel, all sorts of stuff, which is pretty crazy. Um, and if you include a letter um, or an, even a family picture, whatever you would like to do, then the kids can actually see who you are, so it makes it very personal. So thank you very much for your support for Operation Christmas Child, and we are excited to see how many boxes we can send this year. So thank you. Amen. Today is really exciting for me because I want to introduce to you our missionaries today, if you guys want to come up. This is, uh, the coronavirus has been obviously a pain in a lot of ways, but for our family, it's been a blessing in that my sister and her husband, Angie and Jackson, I'll let them share their last name because I'm that guy who butchers my own family's last name uh, from Brazil. So, uh, but they are, are missionaries with Wycliffe. Uh, 
from Brazil. They were supposed to be doing their schooling this year in Dallas, and because of coronavirus, they had to come home. So they're here until January with our family. So uh, I'm going to introduce ourselves while this video is playing. And um, my name is Angie. This is my husband, Jackson. He's Brazilian, so our last name is Rosafac de Oliveira. And we have two daughters, Olivia and Isabella. And we work with the Camayura people in central Brazil. Uh, when we started working with them in 2013, they didn't have any scripture, anything in their, any of the word of God in their language. Um, and we've been working with them ever since. We are part of the Bible translators, which is working to get the word of God in every language. The language, building relationships, we've gone to the village, uh, a few of the villages, but we don't have permission to live there. So, But there's a lot of them who come to um, the town nearby where we live, and you'll be seeing a few of those in these pictures here. Um, we met a guy named Mario, and he's from this people group. And he's a Christian, and he wanted to translate the Bible into his language. And so we said, yes, this is him. Um, and so we formed a team with him in 2014, and we've been facilitating the translation ever since. And now there is scripture in their language. It's, um, it's an indigenous group. They're a very small people group. There's only about 600 of them spread over several villages. Um, and they live in a protected Indian reservation just south of the Amazon. You can see here what the villages look like. It's still a very traditional way of living and the area where they live is politically a politically sensitive area for missionaries. So that's one of the reasons why we don't live there and one reason why we're a little careful about using their name. Like I said, when we started working with them, they didn't have any scripture or even really very, very few had any knowledge of who Jesus was or the God of the Bible. And that hasn't changed for more than just a few of them. But what we have done is we've been able to translate some scripture. We've got portions of Daniel, Genesis, and we've just finished the book of Luke. So we're so excited. This here, what you're seeing is us having um, testing, the final testing of the book of um Luke, Luke 15 there. Um, so what our prayer is, what our mission is, is to be the light of Jesus to these people. And we'd ask that you pray for us, pray for us, for health and protection, and especially for these Kamayura people, that the light of Jesus would, would come and disperse the spiritual darkness that's been a part of their lives for so long. When we were singing today and when Pastor Jordan was talking about no guilt in life, no fear in death. That really is their reality. Guilt and fear and death. And um, will our going into a culture like that change the culture? I hope so. I hope that they will keep the good things, but that the, this fear and the, the guilt that they're feeling would be changed. I want to... I wanna... Um, read a passage in Luke in their language so you can hear how that sound. A kua mai ngamawako ut ni teo porofonunga ma ere he kotawako ut. 
How does that sound to you? <laughs> so for, for about 120 people groups in America, in the Americas, that's how the Bible sounds to them. They don't have a single verse in their language yet. So I'm going to read the same verse in, the, in a language you understand. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. So I read the same thing in the two languages, but for some people, it sounds like the first time I read, they don't understand what they're hearing. So one of the things we do besides translation, we also teach. We teach in the, there is a mission base in Brazil and we teach there. That's why we are taking classes here so we can learn more about translation and linguistics, so we can teach more people and train more missionaries. So we ask you to pray for us as we study here, especially for me, because English is not my first language. So I ask for prayers for me and my family and for the people group we work with. So thanks for having us. If you'd like to hear more, you could come talk to us or we've got a table out there. Will, can you come up and help me pray for them? I just... Uh... We, we love our missionaries here. If you can't tell, we have a lot of missionaries that come through, and we are always really blessed to see how you guys support them. Uh, before we pray, just kind of a, a logistical note. Um, as always, you can make a check to Rock of Grace, and we'll give that one-time gift all together as one check, of course, to them and the, the Wycliffe uh, organization they work for. But what I really encourage you to do is to pray about supporting them. Uh, we have a couple missionaries in our family. We ask every single family... Uh, to pray, God, what missionary can our family, what family can we support as a family? And there's something really powerful and cool about that, to get those newsletters and know that you are spreading the gospel across the world. Amen? You reach your hands towards this awesome couple. Father, we thank you just for uh, the heart of the Father, Lord, the fact that I love that they picked Luke 15. God, that um, there is no wayward son, there's no son that has gone too far. But Father, you are that shepherd that goes and looks for them. You're the father who goes and finds that lost sheep and you pull them in. And God, you invite them back into the family. I thank you for your love that is so obvious in their lives and so, so felt um, in just their disposition. And we just pray, God, that I, I want to pray that even before the translation happens, Lord, your word tells us in, in 2 Corinthians that that it's this, the heart of man, the spirit of man is known by the spirit of God. So God, even before the translation happens, they would sense your love. The minute they walk into a village, the minute they walk into a hut, that they would sense the love of Father God emanating out of this couple like we sense it today. So we bless them, we support them, we stand with them in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Great to meet you guys again. Awesome. Give these guys a big hand, huh? I want to have the ushers come and we'll receive the offering. Aren't you guys glad to be in the house of God today? That's so good. All right, this is going to be a really short offering. Lord, bless it. Amen. Thank you for it. Hallelujah. All right. Jesus said, don't ramble on like the Pharisees. I mean, he said that. But um, Did anybody else see that dude like kill a fish with a jackknife? I feel like I would reach manhood at that point. I feel like I would finally... 
you know, reach manhood, if I could just walk into a lake and be like, there's my dinner, you know? That's awesome. (laughs) People don't do that in Cortland, just so you know. Go to Sparkle. All right. (laughs) I don't know, I just think that'd be really cool. Um, We are starting a new series. Um, I'm just so thankful for what God did in our hearts in that series on Nehemiah, A Good Work. How many of you are here for the series on Nehemiah, A Good Work, right? Awesome. Uh, We are beginning a new series called The Mind of Christ, and the Holy Spirit just really put it on my heart to to focus on these scriptures that deal with our thought life, and uh, we're just going to ask that God would uh, speak to us today, and uh, turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 2.16, and you could also mark uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17. And some of these things I'm going to say here at the beginning, you'll see in a a video on Facebook this coming week. And like always, when we do those, uh, just encourage you to share it. Um, I realize a a three-minute or two-minute video is a lot more shareable than a 45-minute sermon. So uh, we invite you to share that as you see that posted and get the gospel out to more and more people. But this is what Scripture tells us. We have the mind of Christ. We're told that we are a new creation. But what I find, and the pastors have talked about, I've talked about this with my dad, with Pastor Ben, so many times when you're talking with a Christian going through something, it's, it's almost like they don't believe it. It's almost like they don't believe it. And the Holy Spirit said uh, to me, really, there's these two mind traps. And I want to give them to you today If you're taking notes, these are your two mind traps. We're going to come back to this about every 10 minutes in the sermon. Condemnation and comparison. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask that your spirit would open our hearts, the thoughts of our heart, to be renewed today. Lord, if there's beliefs and if there's thought patterns that you don't want there, Lord, doctors say that our thoughts form like a rut a pattern, that then we go back down. We pray that today, Lord, today, can everybody just say today? Today, that certain thought patterns that do not please you or praise you for grace would be broken. That we would be renewed in our mind, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Condemnation says, I'm never good enough, and God doesn't want me. And if we're honest, many of us have maybe felt that way before. Maybe before you came to Christ, there was a level of shame that left you feeling like God doesn't want you. Comparison, alternatively, says, I'm good enough. In fact, I'm better than you. Um, And in our echo chamber of social media, all confirming our biases um, in today's world, This is becoming an even bigger trap more than ever. And we're going to talk about these two things. And the truth is, I'm going to give you the whole heart of the sermon right now, and then we're going to uh, kind of break it apart. But the truth is that only Jesus is good enough, and he gives you his righteousness by giving you his grace to believe in. That's the whole sermon. Everybody can just walk out. Let's just go home. All right, right there. No, but listen. Only Jesus is good. Everybody just say something. Only Jesus is good enough. Only Jesus. 
And he gives you his grace. He gives you, he imputes to you, if I could use that word, he puts on you his righteousness, which is so amazing. So where does this work of God's grace begin? In our mind or in our heart? So often in today's world, we separate the two, right? We say, I think, and we're talking about something, a logical decision that we're going to make rationally. Or if we say, I feel, we're talking about our emotions. But did you know that the Bible often uses this phrase, the thoughts of their heart? You came to me with your worship, but the thoughts of your heart were far from. You came to me singing songs. You came to me offering sacrifices, but the thoughts of your heart were far from. You see, God connects these two. God connects these two. I think they're much more connected than we thought. In fact, if I could say this, the thoughts of our heart determine our actions. Our actions form our habits, and our habits reveal who we are. I know you heard me say that about a year ago in a, in a sermon about thinking, but it's, it's, so, it's so critical to what we're talking about today. The thoughts, everybody just touch your temples for a minute and just nod along, give me a nod along if you agree that sometimes you have a battle up here. Come on, be real with me, right? Why? The thoughts of your heart determine what you talk about, your actions, and then if you're not careful, what we all do is then our actions, based on what we're thinking, becomes our habits. And our habits reveal who we are. That's how people know us, by our habits. Right? Proverbs 23, 7 says this, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. We must allow the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to renew our mind. I want to say it again. We must allow the Holy Spirit and the word of God to renew our mind. So why is it that so many of us Christians fall into these mind traps? We fall into these mind traps believing that we should stay far from God because we're so terrible, we're the scum of the earth, and that's the lie of Satan. Who's the enemy of God? Quick question, you or Satan? Who's the enemy of God, people or Satan? Right. We're going to talk about the scripture later. We don't wage war against flesh and blood, against people. You know, in, especially in, in 2020, you know, October, you'd be thinking that we wage war against people. How many realize you, do, you are not waging war against people? Right? The thoughts of our, of our mind, they, they reveal what's in our heart. And this is why Jesus cares so much about your heart. He cares so much about your heart because your heart is the real you. I mean, you know I'm talking about? The heart is the real you. That's what that text, by the way, from Proverbs 23 is talking about. The proverb talks about a guy who comes to you and says, eat these delicacies, eat these delicacies but in his mind, his heart is not for you. And that's what he was, that's the context of that scripture. And the scripture is saying, what's really in your mind, God knows about. Now, that should be sobering, right? How many would realize when you, okay, let me say it like this. What if all of your thoughts were on the billboard between Kinsman and Cortland? Who'd be excited about that? Tim, all of your thoughts on the billboard, shining lights. Who is excited? With you, it's okay? Pure as snow? Beautiful, beautiful. All right, so today's message is for everybody else except Tim, just so we all are on the same page, right? Imagine if all of your thoughts were, were on a billboard. I would be like, Oh, no. Right? 
This is why we need to let God renew our mind. We are not ignorant of the devil's schemes, Ephesians 4.27 makes it clear that one of these schemes is unforgiveness, which comes right under the umbrella of comparison. Comparison. Everybody say comparison. Again, Satan always wants you to compare yourself to someone else. It's the oldest trick in the book. It's the oldest trick in the book. As long as he can get you comparing yourself to someone else, then you don't know where you stand with God. This is why when Jesus gives that illustration, right, of the the religious man who walks into the temple and the sinner who walks into the temple and the sinner is beating his chest, saying, I'm a sinner and I'm broken and I'm unclean. And then the religious leader comes in and says, well, I'm glad I'm not like that guy. And then Jesus says, who goes home righteous? The man who beat his chest. And so today is going to be kind of sober. I usually have a lot more funny stories and all that kind of stuff. Today is going to be a little more sobering because I feel like God wants to renew our mind. How many is okay with that? Okay with God doing new work in you? All right, beautiful. So 2 Peter 2, or 2 Peter 1, verse 2. Turn to your Bibles there. 2 Peter 1, verse 2. We're going to talk about why. So many times Christians, and I say they, but I, I mean we, sometimes don't look like Jesus. And by that, I don't mean like flowing Arabian hair and carpenter hands. I mean the, the person of Jesus, right? The character of Christ that expresses love and truth and grace everywhere he goes. We're, we're told in First and Second Peter 1.14 that we are given the divine nature of Jesus. But look at this, Second Peter one. Two through four. May grace and peace. Man, I, we need to do more of these. They're not called salutations, but what do they call at the beginning when you address someone? Oh, an address? Sorry, should have thought that through before I asked that question. Greeting, thank you. Greeting address. I, we should do more of that, you know? Grace and peace to you. A lot of times I think as preachers we cut out the, you know, the dearly beloved part, and we'll just get to, to save time and stuff. Like, I, we need to start doing that. More often, Will, I'm just going to come to you and be like, dearly beloved. I mean, it might be a little awkward, but I mean, for the most part, I'm going to, maybe I'll just stick to my script. All right, let's come back. Wow. All right, Second Peter 1, 2 through 4. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power, guys, listen to this, has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. How? Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. I know this is a mouthful, but listen to this. By which he has granted to us his precious and great promises, so that through, the, through them, through those promises, you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. Are you, do you realize you, when you accept Jesus and you let him forgive you of your sin, you are partaking of the divine nature of Jesus. I'm going to use this as a quick impromptu because it's just crossed my mind and I'm weird like that. Picture this is the divine nature of God and he just puts it on you. You partake in the divine nature of God. Maybe this looks pretty cool. I'll just preach it. Um, 
the divine nature of God. How many think that's awesome? Comparison and condemnation is the mind trap. I want to put up that slide again, that the comparison and the condemnation. See, the mind trap of comparison is the voice of pride. The mind trap, and everybody just look at your neighbor right now and say, is that your watch beeping? Because that might be like time for me to quit preaching. Is that what that is? Like, look, buddy, you've been nine minutes, okay? Oh, it stopped. Oh, I prophesied it to stop. No, I'm just kidding. All right, totally playing. All right, comparison. I won't call you out, Jerry. All right, comparison <laughs> and condemnation. These are what we're talking about today. <laughs> the comparison <laughs> he's gonna kill me the <laughs> try this taser out finally <clears throat> okay no just kidding all right the mind trap of comparison is the voice of pride now hear me guys this is the these are the two things because satan's gonna want you to think one of these two things the comparison trap says i'm good in fact i'm better than you now what's sad about this is this was not just people Jesus would meet on the street. This was sometimes people he would meet in the synagogue. This was sometimes people he would meet in an Assemblies of God church on a Sunday morning. People who can sometimes get so fixated on who they're better than. And hasn't everybody in the world on Facebook gotten really good at this? Who's gotten really good? No, don't confess to that, actually. Um, right? How many, in fact, let's be real honest, how many have done that sometimes? This would be, come on, be real. You, and you realize, you know, remember the grandma saying three, point, three fingers are pointing back at you? The condemnation lie is you should live in shame. You're so sinful, God doesn't want you. Both of these mind traps are lies from Satan and have the same root error they value performance instead of grace both mind traps have the same root error they value performance instead of grace aren't you thankful that you are not righteous or getting to heaven because of your performance you are not good because of what you are doing you are good because of what Jesus has done. The work is finished on the cross. That is the gospel. And now you stand in the completed work of Jesus. So when you feel shame and Satan says, don't even go to church. How many of you ever had that lie? Don't even raise your hands. I remember, I remember hearing that years ago. I'll never forget that. It was like, that can't be God. I can't be in my thought. I remember standing one time in worship and I, and I almost heard, it's like I heard this voice say, don't raise your hands. God doesn't even want you to raise your hands. You've been, you've been bad this week. How many know, what voice is that? That's Satan, right? If there's one voice that ever enters your mind that is telling you not to come to God, I can tell you who it is, right? It's the voice of shame and condemnation. So everybody say this with me. Comparison condemnation they have the same root error guys it's 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 performance instead of grace now if you're reading the bible project you're doing the bible project with us we're in romans and if you just read romans one through six like we've done these last six seven days 
Apostle, the Apostle Paul addresses this. He talks about the power of grace and that the law was unable to save us. And guess what? The law was unable to save them and the law is unable to save you. The law reveals our brokenness. That's what the law does. It serves as a mirror to reveal our brokenness. If you've ever looked in the mirror in the morning and you suddenly see a big piece of cilantro, have everybody done that? I, I love me some Chipotle. So every now and then I'll be like, wow, honey, you were going to tell me about that, right? What does the mirror do? It reveals what's wrong, right? That's what the law does. It reveals what's wrong. And you can never do all of the, the right things. We, there, there's all of these laws that were given to reveal the need for a savior. And I want to tell you, even in 2020, even in your understanding of a Pentecostal, charismatic, full gospel church, and if you're listening online, um, no matter what you believe, I want to tell you something. There's not enough things you can perform to do to make you right. Only Jesus makes you right. And that's the gift of grace. So what is grace? Grace is undeserved mercy and favor from God. Undeserved. We're going to talk about this more in a minute, but, and, and I don't want you to go too fast. Uh, don't go ahead on the slides, but I'm just going to go ahead for just a moment that justice, right, is getting what you deserve. Mercy is you not getting what you deserve. Grace is you getting what you don't deserve. How many are so glad that not only you were saved from justice, because you see, we deserve separation from God forever because of our sin, but we were given mercy. But beyond mercy, you were given the gifts and the promises of God, the things you don't deserve. Come on, that's grace. Undeserved favor and blessing from God. Now we have to get this right, that we are who we are, because of grace. Why? Again, our thoughts determine who we are. And we need to get our thoughts right. Now, just for a funny aside, did you know that men have this amazing gift from God? We have, as opposed to women, men have the ability to think of nothing. How many know what I'm talking about? How many of you are married and you're driving before and your wife has said, what do you think about? Nothing. No, come on, honey, what do you think about? Literally nothing. Blank, blankness, blank walls, nothing. No, you, we, it's been 20 minutes in this car. I know you're thinking about something. I'm thinking about these lines and not wrecking. Like, that's it. I mean, but women have this ability. They're, you ask a woman what they're doing, they're like, well, I'm doing my taxes in my head. I'm planning the children's lunches tomorrow. Like, you're always, how many of you women, you're always thinking? And sometimes you look at your men, and how many of you men, you're like, sometimes I think about nothing. Just raise your hand. Thank you, Dan. I thought, I knew. Thank you, David. How many know what I'm talking about? In fact, raise your hand if you've actually had this conversation. Like, <laughs> every man, that just relieved me. I'm just so, thank you. Jim, that was a little, he's like, all the time. That was awesome. Jim's like, it's blank. Just blank up there. <laughs> sometimes we have this ability to think of nothing. But what I want to talk to you today is about what's on your mind. Because sometimes you are thinking of things. And sometimes God doesn't want you thinking of things. In fact, if you're thinking of things and suddenly your teeth are grinding, come on. Right? That's how you know you're mauling over something you probably shouldn't be mauling over. So here's my question. If you're not careful, 
you'll let your mind race with anxiety, worry, fear. And those things will cause you to judge others too harshly or to judge yourself too harshly. Comparison, condemnation. So my question is, what's on your mind? Turn in your Bibles to Isaiah 59, verse 3. This is one of the most strange passages you will ever hear. I'm warning you. This is strange. Has everybody ever read the Bible and you're like, that was strange? I was reading other, the other day and this, this, this person just fell out of the window, sleeping uh, during someone's sermon and died. Wow. What a great message that day, right? You know? It's life-changing. Literally. <laughs> you know? Or like the guy, well, all right. How about the lady who like stabbed her husband in the head with a tent pick? Violent. Okay, we won't talk about that. There might be kids in here. All right. Isaiah 59. This is interesting. So I'm going to read this, and I'm going to read it really slow. And this is the prophet telling us about what happens with evil imagination. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue mutters wickedness. No one enters suit justly. No one goes to law honestly. They rely on empty pleas and they speak lies. They conceive mischief with and give birth to iniquity. They hatch snake eggs. They weave the spider's web. And he who eats their eggs dies. And from the one that is crushed, a viper is hatched. Their webs will not serve as clothing. Men will not cover themselves with what they've made. Their works are works of iniquity and deeds of violence are in their hands. Their feet run to evil, swift to shed innocent blood. You see that? Swift, quick to make harsh judgment. Their thoughts are the thoughts, ever say thoughts, of iniquity. Desolation and destruction are their highways. The way of peace they do not know. There is no justice in their paths. They have made their roads crooked, and don't miss this. No one who treads on them knows peace. Like I said when I was preaching a month ago on Elijah, the Bible says 850 prophets of Baal who were killed, they were those who ate at Jezebel's table. Be careful whose table you're eating at. It says people who will dwell on lies and mischief and quick to judge, they hatch snake eggs. You know what the problem with eggs are? They hatch. Right? They multiply. And let's be really honest. I'm going to ask you something, and some of you are going to be slow to raise your hand, but I'll be first to raise my hand to help you confess. How many... And it could be years ago, it could be last week, maybe for some of you this is really fresh. You're really mad about something. 
and you're thinking about it. We all can agree to that. Every, everybody who has a brain in here, right? Okay. But then something happened. Kept thinking. Kept thinking. Kept thinking. And you got more mad. And suddenly you were imagining things playing out in your head and what you're going to say and what they would say. What they would say. Come on. You know what the Bible says? Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. You got to take that thought captive. If this, if this, I don't know what's with my illustrations today impromptu, but if this is that thought, you can't just let it, because it has, it has a way of just multiplying. But if you just say, no, 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 that's not a, that's not a good, that's not a thought that reveals the grace of God, so I'm going to discard that. Right? You got to take those thoughts captive and realize those are thoughts Satan wants you to dwell on and build your little spider web on. Didn't it say that? You know what happens on a spider web? Things die. Right? You get caught. And you have to be careful not only what's in your mind, but who you're hanging around. Why? You are in a war. Now, I know we, you hear me every week talk about the joy of following Christ, the joy of knowing Jesus. All of that is true. None of that is changed by what I'm about to say. But you are in a battle for your mind. You are in a, there's a battle for your mind. Satan wants you to believe that God's grace isn't for you or that God's grace isn't for others. Let's take the story of Jonah for just a minute. I had a long, I, I had to shorten this real short for the sake of time, but the story of Jonah, what was his mind trap? Comparison. He said, oh, those people deserve judgment. Those people deserve judgment. God, if I go preach to those people in Nineveh, I just know you. You'll just forgive them. You're just so nice. You know, that's what he said. How many think his mind was not right? Now, wait a minute. This is a preacher of the gospel. But he was like, no, God, if I go there. Now, what had to happen? He gets on this boat, right? And everybody knows, like, there is something uh, causing this storm and they're throwing stuff overboard then they're finally they realize it's Jonah they throw him overboard and God let Jonah get to the lowest place he says from the deep of the ocean from the deep of the belly of this whale I cried out to you and in God's mercy a whale puked him out you know sometimes God's mercy is feels like puke right from the mercy of God, God let him have another chance and he went and he preached. But it took him getting to the bottom of that whale, right? But his heart was not right. He knew how to preach. He was called. But think about that. There are times when our thinking is not right. Again, was, it, was Jonah thinking correctly by saying, no, they deserve? Now, you've got to be careful. Because in today's politically charged environment and all these things going on, if you wish judgment on somebody, you are missing the heart of God. If, you, if, if what has to come out of our lives is a desire for grace upon grace upon grace, the loving kindness of God that brings people to repentance. Amen? 
The mind trap, the mind trap. How are you going to think? Let's put up that next slide. How are you going to think? Comparison is over here. And it's the lie of pride that says, I'm not only good, I'm better than you. That's pride. That's comparison. The mind trap of compassion, or I'm sorry, um, condemnation is over here. That says, I'm not good enough and God doesn't want anything to do with me. Now guys, this is your whole life. This is not just day one, week one, or year one of Christianity. You know, when I talk to people sometimes about their calling, and I'll say, hey, you have a calling to do this. Oh, I can't do that. I, I could never, I could never, why? Oh, I can't, I can't do that. What if David said, I can't kill that Goliath? Right? What if Gideon said, no, I'm not, I'm not good enough. Well, of course you're not good enough, but God is good enough in you. Oh, I'm not strong enough. Of course you're not strong enough, but God is strong in you. That's faith, is believing in what God can do in you. Pride says, I can do it in my own strength. I don't need God. Shame says, I can't do anything. I can't do anything. And again, this is lifelong, guys. You will be, there's times when I've talked to Christians that have been a Christian for 10 years. And when I say, hey, can you consider praying about a life group? You're, you just, you know, you have a great personality and, and very welcoming and warm. And no, I could never do that. I, I haven't, done, and they start to list, they haven't read the Bible enough and they haven't done this enough and they haven't done that enough. And suddenly they're actually living, they're confessing that they think their Christianity is based on their performance. Come on, how many have ever done that? I talked with someone this last week who I was encouraging her. The grace of God has given you a prophetic mantle and I want you to take the mic at times and to pray and to prophesy and you are good enough and your humility, your humility has, is, is causing the power of God to work in your life. But the lie, and, and, then, and then she even told me this, you know what the lie I was thinking was that people were gonna judge me right see Satan wants to tell David don't go out there they're just gonna think you're arrogant and what did his brother say he said who do you think you are go make us a sandwich keep in mind these are the same guys who are hiding going I ain't gonna fight him I ain't gonna fight him I ain't gonna fight him right let me say it again you can't think, let's put up this next slide, about condemnation or comparison when you're focused on the compassion, the goodness of Jesus Christ. This is where we have to find our identity. Can everybody just say that beautiful word with me, compassion? Compassion. Guys, God wants you to live in the compassion of God. You see, the cure, the, the escape, if you will, the escape tool, for both of these mind traps is compassion. I am saved because of the compassion of God. So now I want you to also receive the compassion of God. This attitude says, I am not, uh, I'm someone who is a beggar without food and I found some food and I want to share it with you. It's the heart of compassion is the mind of Christ. Again, I, I want to put up this image with, um, with two roads. Because again, there's two ways you can think. 
You can think judgment and you can compare yourself and you can walk in condemnation or pride. Because again, the same root is, is sin either way. Is I'm good enough on my own or I'm better than others? It's thinking judgment, it's thinking law. Or you can get grace and give grace and walk in compassion. And how many know what I'm talking about when you meet people who walk in compassion? They are marked. People who walk in the compassion of Christ, they're, they're, they're giving all the time, they're giving you their attention, their friendship, they're give, they're, you can't hold them back from loving and from giving, Right? Satan wants you to think judgment. God wants you to think grace. Justice is giving people what they deserve. And if God were perfectly just in dealing with us, we would all go to hell separated from God forever. But God is a just God, pouring out his judgment when and on whom? On Jesus. Romans 6, 23, right? The wages of sin is death. All have sinned. All have fallen short. But... But we find the promise and the goodness of God and the fact that Jesus rose from the sin, broke the power of sin, rose from the grave, and gives you his righteousness. He literally will. Can you just come up here for a minute? Let's do prompt you one more time. Look at this. He just goes like this. He gives it to you like that. You see what I'm saying? I'm just going to get closer. Sorry. He gives it to you. And all you have to do is say, yeah, clothe me with that. Thank you, Will. You can go back to your seat. Don't you love Will? Will's awesome. You guys got five more minutes? Give me five more minutes. All right. Thank you, Tim. One person at least. That's awesome. All right. Dr. Worsby from Wheaton says, a condemning heart is one that robs a believer of peace. And this was so cool because I had already written down that, 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 that the mind of Christ is to live in the freedom of peace. You guys know, listen, what Satan wants to steal from you is your peace. The peace of God is the greatest gift God can ever give you. The peace of a clear conscience, the peace of his presence, the peace of God is one of the greatest gifts that God can ever give you. And that comes through the mind of Christ. But what's the opposite? Accusing conscience is another way to describe this condemning heart. Sometimes the heart accuses us wrongly because what does the Bible say in Jeremiah 17, 9? It's deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? The answer to that question, that rhetorical question, who can know the thoughts of the heart? God. God knows the thoughts of the heart. More than one Christian has accused himself falsely or been harder on himself than necessary God, though, will never make that mistake. A Christian who walks in love has a heart open to God, for God is love and knows that God never judges wrongly. I love that quote when I was reading this last week. What am I saying? Let me summarize it like this. We all need the mind of Christ to live in the freedom and the peace that Jesus paid for. Guys, I know Satan wants to steal your peace. How many, if you are honest, and maybe you're listening online, that Satan wants to steal your peace, just not along with me? Maybe an offense. Maybe frustrations at work. Maybe the fact that you're working at home. Maybe there's toddlers crawling all over your head while you're working. That's never happened to me. 
No, but there's times when you have to make adjustments, especially in 2020, and Satan will, in the midst of those adjustments, in the midst of those frustrations, will try to steal your peace. But peace comes through knowing who you are in Christ. I want to give you this last scripture, Isaiah 26, 3. You keep him in perfect peace. Everybody say perfect peace. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Why? Because he trusts in you. He doesn't trust in himself. He doesn't trust in his degree. He trusts in himself. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord, God, is an everlasting rock. Did you hear that? He keeps you in perfect peace when you fix your mind on him. Satan wants to steal the peace from your mind that God has designed. Satan wants to steal that peace. We're going to close today with a song that I heard this week that was so incredibly appropriate. It just played kind of automatically or randomly on my spot on Spotify. And I want to ask you to close your eyes. And, you know, I don't know that I've really preached a sermon quite like this where I feel like Satan, for many of you, has been beating you up lately over things from 10 years ago. And it's stopping you from entering your destiny. It's stopping you from entering the promises of God. So I want you to listen to this song. Be kind to yourself. You got all that emotion that's heaving like an ocean And you're drowning in a deep, dark well I can hear it in your voice that if you only had a choice You would rather be anyone else I love you just the way that you are I love the way you made your precious heart Be kind to yourself Be kind to yourself I know it's hard to hear it when that anger in your spirit Is pointed like an arrow at your chest When the voices in your mind are anything but kind And you can't believe your father knows best I love you just the way that you are I love the way he's shaping your heart Be kind to yourself Be kind to yourself can't expect to be perfect, it's a fight you gotta forfeit You belong to me, whatever you do So lay down your weapon, darling, take a deep breath And believe that I love you Be kind to yourself Be kind to yourself Learn to love, learn to love 
invite you to stand up to your feet. And before we sing this song, Goodness of God, to close, I, um, I want to invite you to give your heart to Jesus this morning. Can you just close your eyes and maybe hold out your hands and, and let the goodness of God, let his kindness bring you to repentance. You know, I think I know almost all of you, but there's a couple faces I'm not familiar with yet, and I just want to invite you. Sir, ma'am, give your heart to Jesus. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, now is the time. Scripture says there's a window of time that your days are allotted, that they're written in his book, and, and that you don't know what tomorrow holds. The psalmist said it like this, life is a vapor. It's here and then gone. So if you have never given your heart to Jesus or maybe you haven't lived for him and you you gave your heart to Christ as a teenager but you've wandered and you want to do that again, would you raise your hand nice and high and I want to pray a prayer of repentance with you. I want to give you just another minute. If there's anybody here you want to give your heart to Jesus and let him wash you clean and I want to tell you sir ma'am Jesus paid it all all to him I owe my sin though it's like crimson stain it's it's blood red I'm guilty you're guilty Jesus washed it white as snow all you have to do is believe it all you have to do is open up your hands and receive the gift of God called grace That's what faith is. It's saying yes to grace. Anybody want to give their heart to Jesus? I know for the rest of you, I want us to sing this song as a response to God. In fact, would you just slip your hand up quickly if you've been kind of beating yourself up lately and condemnation has been the lie? All right? And then raise your hand maybe if if lately comparison's been the lie. Thinking too much about other people. Yeah. How about today you walk in the compassion of God and realize that God's compassion towards you is so great. It is so great that now you have the joy of giving that compassion to other people. Let's sing this.
So God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your compassion. Lord, like David saying, like Solomon saying, your love endures forever. And that will be our song. That will be our thought. God, not uh, who we're compared to or who's less than or better than or smarter than or more spiritual or less spiritual. No, Lord, our thoughts are on you and you alone. And we say corporately, God, we say, can, in fact, can y'all say this with me? Just repeat after me. God, forgive us for buying into those lies. We stand in truth today. We receive compassion. We receive grace. And we choose to give grace. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. 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 Have a great week, church. Have a great week.